You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode. We're back again, and this week I am joined once again by Nick. Hello Nick. Hi Simon. Uh, uh, I don't know what the weather up the, uh, over there is like, but um, uh, in Birmingham, I'm going to, in honour of Jim, I'm going to say it's Drich mm. here, in, uh, here in Birmingham. <laughs> and uh, as you mentioned Jim, hello Jim. Welcome back. Hello there. Yeah, it is definitely drich. It's late autumn here. It's raining heavy. It's freezing cold. Now I'm living dangerously here. I have a macOS update sitting, waiting to pounce on me any second. And I've got an iPhone backup going and a restore going. And it's going to happen. <laughs> so we hear a scream during the show. It's me. Yeah. yeah, if Jim suddenly you disappears, exploding. yeah, if Jim suddenly disappears, we'll know what's happened. His machine has decided it to just works, just uh, yeah, reboot itself of its own accord. Mm. But um, there we go. Um, weather here, um, slightly better than you two. It's been um, sort of light showers on and off. Um, it's overcast. Um, the actual temperature, according to my thermometer, is about fourteen degrees, which is quite warm. But the oh. uh, perceived temperature due to the chill north wind which appears to be blowing it feels much much colder than that um you have been listening to the weather in the uk you have indeed <laughs> uh so miserable in fact that my my daughter has recently started uh work at a local pub um and uh she did an hour today they opened for an hour and uh it was cold and you know due to, to the wind oh, and dear. it was and, and uh, drizzling, and nobody turned up. Uh, obviously, being a bank holiday Monday, they were hoping they might have a, a garden full, but uh, nobody appeared. So yeah. after an hour, they said, oh, let's just call this a day. <laughs> Shut okay. up and go for those, over. Uh, for those not in, not in the UK, uh, we we can still not go into pubs. We're only allowed to uh, to be outside pubs. Yes, so. which in this time of year is unpredictable. Uh, my wife and I did go to the pub the other day and have a pint. Because the sun was shining and it was really quite pleasant. But um, at this time of year, it can be like that one day and the next day, you know, it can go from 15 degrees one day and the sun is shining to overcast and cold wind and, you know, a temperature of about five degrees C. And if you sit outside having a tea, after 10 minutes, you're shivering so that you can hardly hold your <laughs> cup of tea. So, um, yes, hopefully, uh, hopefully in another couple of weeks, people will be able to yeah, go in the I pubs mean, again. Um, Actually, I did meet a friend of mine for a coffee early in the week and we must have picked the worst day because it was about five degrees C and there was a chill wind and uh, it kept raining on us and we, we stuck it out for 40 minutes and then we caved in and sat in the car to have our second cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, I can't take this anymore. And he was like, no, we're men, we can tough it out. And I said, I can't because I can't hold my tea steady to drink it. <laughs> well, if, you, if you notice in my photographs in the Slack there, um, people sitting outside the pub in Glasgow, you know, mm. wrapped up. That was, a, that was a nice day as well. 
<laughs> and yet, oh, yeah. Saturday, Saturday was nice. Today is horrible. Yeah, but it was the, the, the following day was the day um, uh, my wife and I went into town because we needed to go to the bank. And the sun was shining and there was only a light breeze and the temperature was, you know, quite, not quite, I wouldn't say balmy, but it was about 15 degrees. So we decided to go to the to the pub and, uh, you know, we had light jackets on, but we weren't sitting there wrapped up and we had a pint and something to eat. And then, now that was very pleasant. But then the next day it was as cold as it was the day before. So <laughs> there we are. That was... Um, that's what that's British weather for you, especially at this time of year. Utterly unpredictable. There we go. Well, as you say, that's the weather report for the UK from Suffolk to the Midlands <laughs> to uh, Scotland. There we are. Um, not a very nice day today. Um, no. Well, we've had an interesting week. We've had an interesting week. Um, I will say that um, yesterday evening I recorded a show with uh, Melissa, the Mac Mommy, and um Elisa Paselli um of the uh, what's going to be titled the geekiest apple uh, essential apple podcast ever um which will be a crossover show with me Melissa and Elisa that's um not going to be released until the 16th of May because they're recording slightly ahead theirs is a monthly show and uh, they're recording slightly ahead because Melissa's about to uh go into selling a house and may not, you know, be available at any particular time. So uh, look forward to that uh, around the 16th or 17th. Uh, we're going to both release that at the same time. Um, so uh, there you go. So you will cool. find that show around the 16th, 17th of May, and we won't actually record a show that week. We'll take a holiday. But, uh, yes, why not? We're recording today on the bank holiday Monday so that we have a show to put out this week because it wouldn't be fair to, uh, you know, put out the show we recorded last night and steal uh, their thunder. So uh, we will release that jointly and uh, we're recording this show today to put out this week. So um, obviously, here we go. Uh, let's go on to the stories, shall we? Um, Apple Q2 21 results. Uh, well... The usual Apple did quite well, really, um, <laughs> as in another record-breaking quarter, um, just shy of ninety billion US dollars in revenue, and um, the profit on that was, I believe, Q two um, twenty-three point six billion dollars. Which, uh, according to uh, Mac Stories, who have a great series of graphs, just so you can compare everything um, in visual stats, is um, let me find it because there's a million charts in here to look at. Um, I believe the growth year over year growth for Q2, fifty four percent year over year growth, fifty four percent. I mean. I think no. the uh, I think the headline the headline should be even a pandemic can't stop us. <laughs> Indeed, um, yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy. It's mental. Um, now I've spoken to, kind of mentioned it to Carolina and um, uh, Ben Baharin, and they've just said these are you know these are ludicrously fantastic results. Nobody uh, would have predicted this. It's crazy, crazy no. money. If you think about it, they've got more money than some countries have. Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. 
and quite a few countries added together actually mm-hmm. i <laughs> i do believe i I, I i do believe i saw a report about a month or so ago where they added they said oh the uh, the gdp you know uh, of of apple and then they said is the equivalent to these a list of countries added together and it was and we're not talking about you know little tiny countries you've never heard of these were big countries i mean maybe not the yeah. us or or what or you know but they were like a half a dozen countries added together still didn't have the gdp of uh, apple so um there has to come. There has to be a day when it comes to the point where they make so much money they don't know what to do with it. I mean, well, I don't think they know what to do with it now. In all honesty, I don't think. I think it seems to me that the the uh, they've got so much money mm-hmm. that they're too frightened to do anything with it because they could destabilize the company just by. De- I mean, when you think what they could do. I mean, I know they give away millions of pounds to charity, mm-hmm. but really, it's pocket change they give away to charity. They could really help. I mean, India, for instance, at the moment, they could throw a couple of billion at that without blinking, but they're not likely to do that because the shareholders wouldn't like it. You know, um, they've pledged; they have made a pledge for a large amount of money. Um, not, oh, have they? Not, right. not to India, but for some—I forget what it is now. I don't know if it's in the, but. That they've pledged to spend some phenomenal amount, like forty billion or something. Might be more than that. Oh, really? I can't remember. Yeah, on. Oh on, right, um, I must have missed that. It was. Um, it's not. No, not not in one go. It's like over the last no. next ten years or something. I, I might even be out by a factor of ten. It might have been four hundred billion on um, developing. You know, growth in the US and whatnot. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, but I mean that's that's almost self-interested, though, isn't it? I'd like to see um, I'd like to see them doing some more um, uh, yeah, philanthropic. Philanthropic, philanthropic stuff because simply because they can, but but they're always answerable to their shareholders and uh, yes, it, I, it, you know it rankles me because I've said before uh, that, that that any one company should hold that much money and do nothing with it effectively, other than make more money. Yeah. It really, really rankles. With I mean, me. this. But there we go. It kind of. I'm not going to say it, it. It it hurts me to say so because it doesn't. But I think this is where I have to say, you know, hats off to Bill Gates who set up the mm-hmm. Bill yeah. and yeah. Melinda Bill Gates, Gates Foundation, Foundation yeah. and has pledged, I believe, if I remember correctly, that by the time he dies, he wants to give away ninety percent of his fortune. Um, That's amazing. To yeah, because his kids, he, kids are only getting well. When I say his kids are only getting a few million each, uh, yeah. still a lot of money, but they're not <laughs> yeah. inheriting the vast. Oh, no, you know, poor children. <laughs> you know, they're not going to in, yeah. inherit the hundred billion or whatever he apparently is worth. He's pledged to give that money away before he dies to his foundation. And let's face it, hats off to him. You know, he's spending that money on things which I think only somebody with the sort of money that Bill Gates has could give away but you know he's yeah. working they're working on you know anti-age but i drugs. suppose in some ways i suppose in some ways he's in a position to do that now because it's his fortune it's his, he's giving it's away his, yes it's as his, opposed to the as opposed to microsoft um, yeah it's not microsoft he's using it for good rather than paying for spacecraft or, you know um, well yes and no at the same time um i understand what you're saying there jim mm. but at the same time I think it's important that we get back into space. I think it's important oh, yes, that, I, but, that we aim um, to get to Mars. And I know we have NASA and whatnot, but 
Mm-hmm. You know, governments are always, well, do we really want to do this? Can we? I mean, you know, NASA, yeah. after the moon landings and the shuttle were done, you know, they were cut back to the bone, really. They were yeah. struggling. I mean, I, I've got no, I have no problems with companies making good profits. What I, I just, it's the sheer fact that Apple sits on a huge sum. Yes. Um, that 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 that's what I find difficult, and uh, well, and I probably well, always will. <laughs> but also, they could they could actually um, help uh, by reducing the prices of their their devices. I mean, well, there's that as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think <laughs> the trouble is when you're a public company and you have shareholders, you are beholden yes, to, to them. Please, this, to, you, are. you know, and yeah. they will, you know, there's I, I understand going to be... the. Fu- I understand the financial implications, I, 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 and uh, it ju- it just feels a bit obscene to me to have all that money and not be able to do anything practical with it. And but there we go. There we go. That's you know that's a that's a whole different yeah. philosophical discussion. It which, is indeed. It which is. you know, there's no reason we shouldn't debate it because you know we're here to talk about what we feel. It's not all about news on this show. It's about what we think. And um, that's right. And they've got to and they've got and they've got to hold on to some money because let's face it, they keep getting fined, don't they, by all sorts of people. Well, they do. Nice segue. He, there. Says, <laughs> he says, moving it on. Moving it on. Nice segue there, Nick. Um, and we will move on. Yeah. Uh, so Apple made a few quid um, and they're not going to go out of business anytime soon. Um, I mean, based, as you say, the amount of money they've got, I think somebody said, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago, if Apple literally stopped making anything at all, right? They didn't make anything new at all. They could probably run for 10 years on the cash they've got. <laughs> Just, yeah. you know, and do nothing. Bonkers, isn't it? Crazy. Anyway, most most uh, most companies struggle to have twelve months of operating. Yeah, spare. I mean, I think a lot of people would be happy if they had three months of operating capital. But there you go. Well, yeah, yes, the smaller the company you go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, talking about the fines, yes, uh, Apple have been fined fined twelve million US dollars in Russia for apparently violating anti-monopoly rules with the their app store. Um, this is a bit like. You the, see? This is a bit yeah, like the one in Brazil, you know, 12 million pocket change. Yeah, here's a check. Thank you. Go away. Yeah. I mean, you can't go messing with Monopoly. I mean, we all love Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm afraid in this case, you know, yeah, 12 million, uh, you know, many people would be world chattering for, for Apple. Oh, and, right. This you know, goes back to the banning parental control apps, which they didn't. But, oh, oh yeah, here we well, go again. There we go. Yeah. No, let's That's not... back in 2019. Yeah. Um, no. uh, according to the FAS, Apple's distribution of apps through iOS give its products a competitive advantage, and Apple has been charged 906.3 million rubles, which is 12.1 million US dollars. Um, there we go. Uh, this is a bit like the Brazil thing where they said, oh, we're going to fine you some piddling amount of money um, because you didn't put charges in the box. And I'm sure Apple probably saved more than the fine in the cost of the charges they didn't supply. So that, uh, uh, yeah, probably yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and monopoly money. Yeah, I'm afraid 12 million is probably monopoly money to Apple. Uh, they're they're going to spelunk. They're going to spelunk down that uh, giant sofa of theirs and collect up all those coins they found down there and pay the fine. <laughs> What's the exchange rate uh, for rubles against dollars? What? Well, by the look of that, it's you know nine so, nine. Hun- Russia, 
Russia. Yeah, 906 million rubles is 12.1 million US dollars. So, yeah. Um, Also, Apple have been found to be in breach of EU competition law, according to the European Commission. Now, um, the European Commission are not a court or a government or whatever. Um, They are now expected to bring charges over the concerns that the App Store rules break the EU competition law. Um, Our preliminary conclusion is that Apple is in breach of EU competition law and that Apple Music competes with other music streaming services, but Apple charges a high commission fee on its rivals, forbidding them to inform alternative subscription options and therefore consumers are losing out. Um... I have to say, yeah, but I, I slightly agree with this one. Um, I yeah, don't. I don't. It's dis- their store. Yes, it's it is. I still can't get my head around this. So, so all these stories basically are around the fact that somehow Apple's store is some kind of ubiquitous store that some magical third party provides that everyone has to use. Oh, yeah, I agree and with none, that. None of that is true. No, it's not. But I'll tell you what, I, the one thing I do think, and I do agree with this point, and that is Apple forbids anybody from mentioning on the Apple Store that you can go to Spotify's site, Yeah, for example, that's a fair point. And sign yeah. up, right? And you will pay $9.99 or £9.99 a month, yeah, directly to Spotify, and that will work perfectly well on your iPhone, your Apple TV, whatever. And the same thing with Fortnite, okay? Fortnite have created, and we know that they have deliberately created, um, you know, this This was a deliberate attack on Apple. But you do not have to pay for your stuff on Fortnite, but right? Because there's no subscription. Fortnite's a free game. But if you want to buy things in the game, you have to buy their, you know, their yeah. funny, their yeah, funny I have some, I have some sim- Yeah, I know what you're saying. I have some sympathies with the fact that Apple ought to allow them at least to say you can actually buy these in this location and and, they shouldn't be able to do that they should be able to do that and i think the truth about that is right a it's come to light that actually unsurprisingly ios is a a fraction of Fortnite because most Fortnite players play on consoles on pcs macs you know, trying to play Fortnite on iOS is farcical, to be honest. It's not the sort of game that you're... It's like trying to play, I don't know, Call of Duty or Modern Warfare. You're going to get massacred. There's no way you're going to be able to control the game on an iPad, you know. Maybe if you use your controller, but no. Anyway, be that as it may, Fortnite players know damn well that if you want to buy your V-Bucks, which is what you use to buy stuff in the game, you simply go to fortnite.com or whatever it is and sign into your account and say i wish to put 20 dollars worth of cash in and buy x number of v bucks and that goes on your account you gotta remember these things are all based on your account so then you could be on ios and the 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 v bucks you have in your in your wallet as it were are still there and you can buy stuff um i you know i don't agree with epic because they deliberately broke the rules by trying to introduce their own store but that's a different matter the one thing i do think apple should not be doing is forbidding people to link and say you can also subscribe at spotify.com or whatever because that way i think i agree with that i think i i think Um, i I think that's fair and i suspect that's what that's what's going to happen 
the most likely thing is Apple going to be, you may not forbid people from saying that they can also sign up at, you know, our yeah. website or elsewhere. Um, I, I think that would be a reasonable outcome. And I think I think Apple ought to back down and do do the the right thing there because it all the other all the other arguments tend to be around um uh we want to be able to sell competing items in your store oh well that's a different which i can under i can yeah i can understand them not not wanting that that's that's unreasonable but just saying you you can buy these you know tokens or whatever over on our store um that seems like a reasonable thing to expect Apple to do. Yeah, I don't. We've kind of been here before with the likes of Amazon Kindle. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, you used to be able to buy books um, through the app. You can't now. Um, <laughs> and the reason for that, could, well, yeah, you could. But the reason uh, that Amazon and one of the reasons that Amazon and Apple fell out was <clears throat> that Apple said, you know, if people want to buy, <coughs> excuse me. Kindle app, uh, no Kindle books via their iOS app. They have to buy it via the you know the App Store, and we get thirty percent commission. So mm. Amazon said, "No, we don't want to do that." Yeah. So what they yeah. had to do, because Apple won't allow them to have a link saying you can buy this here and it will cost you twelve dollars, or you can go over to Amazon.com and or you know Amazon.Kindle.com or whatever it is, and buy it, and it'll only cost you ten dollars or nine dollars, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Apple won't allow that. So Amazon said, okay, what we will do is remove the ability to buy a book directly in the iOS app. You will, you know, we're, we're not allowed to tell people, but we know that people who use the Kindle app know damn well that if you go to, you know, kindle.amazon.com, you can buy your stuff there and it will go onto your app anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all, it, all it actually does is it makes it harder for someone to buy a book. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you've got to go to the website to get it, whereas it'd be nice to be able to say buy in the app or you know on the market. Yeah, it's the... it's it's a sort of it's a sort of um, forcing your users to pre- to protest for you, really, mm. in a yeah, way. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we all I think we all agree that Apple ought to allow if they're not going to allow if the company that is has the owns the app and wants to sell things and doesn't want to pay the app store fees, then they should at least be able to say, and you can buy things over here. I don't, I don't think that that is an unreasonable, you know, well, I, if I, they were directly competing with Apple, that's, that's one thing. If they're just enabling their app so that people can get a fair price, I don't see that Apple should be against no. that. <clears throat> and, and I think, I think they're going to lose this EU thing. And I hope that the sensible ruling will simply be that somebody like Spotify or Kindle or whatever are allowed to say you cannot buy a book directly through this app but you can go to you know spotify.com and buy your subscription there it's as simple as that um yeah i'm sure most people actually know that but it's you know it's a point of law i guess and that's the um that's the point. Yes, it is. It is complicated. Sorry, Jim. Were you going to speak? No, I was just going to say. At the end of the day, these companies know knew what they were getting into in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, in the end, that's it, isn't it? Now. Yeah. In the end, that's it. They know Apple's rules. Yeah. Um, I think Apple could be a little more flexible on this. Yeah, I, I think there's you know, mm. and they, you know, um, okay. Well, we'll move on then. Um, 
This one is um, from nine to five Mac, and this is uh, and it's elsewhere. This is not uh, a very good uh, story for Apple. Apparently, an airdrop floor exposes your phone number and email address. Um, not quite as um, you know blatantly as uh, you might think, but there is a flaw in airdrop, which means doing nothing more than opening an iOS or Mac OS sharing pane within Wi-Fi range of a stranger could enable them to see your phone number and email address. You do not actually have to initiate an airdrop transfer to be at risk. Um, The security researchers who've discovered this um, say they disclosed it to Apple in May 2019, but they have not yet fixed this, which is, uh, you know, not very good. Um, Apparently, the problem is a combination of two issues. Um, In order to offer the contact-only option for AirDrop, an Apple device needs to silently request the personal data from all devices within range, which makes sense, okay? Um, Although the data exchange is encrypted, it apparently uses a a relatively weak hashing mechanism. Um, So, uh, as an attacker, it is possible to learn the phone numbers and email addresses of an AirDrop user, even as a stranger, as all they require is a Wi-Fi-capable device and physical proximity to the target who initiates the discovery process by opening a sharing pane. Um, the problems are rooted in the hash functions for obfuscating the exchange phone numbers and email addresses. Um, the hashing fails to provide a privacy-preserving contact discovery, as the hash values can be quickly reversed using simple techniques. Um, okay, this is... So when they say it's simple... <laughs> uh, well, when they sim- say when they say it's simple, they mean it's simple for people who know what they're doing. It's simple. It's simple for bad actors. Not you. Not me. Yeah. Not Joe Bloggs. Um, you know. So uh, one one other thing it doesn't mention in this article, uh, but I'm going to make an assumption. AirDrop is a Wi-Fi based protocol, isn't it? It is. So I'm, I'm assu- so I'm assuming you have to be on the same Wi-Fi. Uh, uh, no, you don't. Net- network. For I this. think you it don't. uses. Oh, okay. No, I think it uses blow both. Um, it uses Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. I think together. Oh. Um, it's a, it's a bit, I think it's a bit like um, your uh, uh, personal hotspot kind of thing. It yeah, Bluetooth yeah. And Wi-Fi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. What they're saying is how it works is when you open a share sheet with AirDrop, it will. <sighs> If you have it, I mean, there are three options, right? No receiving at all. Uh, contacts only, which is a sense, you know, what most people would consider to be a sensible level. And um, open to everybody, which open to everybody is foolish because people can just dump stuff on you whether you like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the problem is what they're saying is when you open a share sheet, your airdrop will automatically ping any other device within range to see if you're on the contacts list and therefore available to initiate an airdrop exchange. Um, Then what they're saying is if you are a bad actor and you're doing this, you know, you have tools that can brute brute force the hash algorithms and you can find out the phone number and email address of the person who's opened their share sheet. Um, This is not very good, but the simple answer really, as we discussed before the show, is, you know, airdrop, you should have receiving off 
unless you actually wish wish to initiate um, an airdrop exchange. It's as simple as that. Because if it's off, yeah. it doesn't, it, it won't ping anybody. It says, I don't, I'm not, I'm not looking to make an exchange. Therefore, I'm not doing any. I mean, it's not great. Apple should fix this. And if it's a two year old um, problem, you know, they really should sort it out. But um, the, the biggest problem is that most folk don't know what setting they've got it on. No, they don't. Like we were saying before we started the show, uh, the amount of times I've gone into a cafe, when we could go into a cafe, that is, uh, to have a coffee and browse and you know do work and that. Uh, when I wanted to airdrop like a photograph from, say, the phone to the iPad uh, for editing, uh, when you opened up airdrop, you got multiple options, including your own. Oh, yeah. Uh, people, have, people have them switched to, you know, everyone. I don't realise it. And yep. like we're saying there, you, you could easily send some malicious file over to them or some well, porn- you know, pornog- um, your pornographic thing. Or, well, this you know, is something. a problem. And, you know, in, yep. uh, I mean, uh, magazines and newspapers like, um, you know, Metro or I or... Mm. Um, you know, cosmopolitan or whatever, are constantly having articles which say, you know, as a as a woman, and I this is, I'm not using this as a you know, not in any way, mm. you know, as a woman or even as a man, I suppose it, it's not safe to leave AirDrop on open to everyone because you know mm. you get on the tube and the modern apparently I have read that the modern you know the modern version of flashing is simply to um, you know send your um, unsolicited pornographic pictures mm-hmm. um, to open, you know, open airdrops on the tube. Get on the tube and distribute your unpleasant material to anybody who's um, got their thing set to open. So, really, nobody should leave their something, their thing to open. Um, it should probably, uh, you know, uh, what I'm saying is most of us who are at least semi-tech savvy would say, well, set it to contacts only. But apparently... Right. Yeah, or off. But this, um, you know, this floor is causing a problem with contacts only. This is, exp- you know, exposing you to a risk. How high a risk it really is. Um, there's a there's a very good um, there's a very good a very good comment um, below it actually that that put, suggests three things they could do to fix it, which is obviously from someone who knows what they're talking about. I mean, most comments tend to be Apple oh. sucks. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah. But this this is actually really good. He says uh, that they're making it sound more serious than it actually is. Um, that uh, you know that the, the hashing algorithm should be fixed. Um, uh, but uh, he said the simplest solution would be to use a salt that rotates often enough to render the computed hashable uh, hash table useless. He said, but the trouble is that have that would have to work for all Apple devices. Um, he said another way would be to compute the hashes and then use a public key encryption. Uh, he said, but the simplest way would probably be to concatenate the email and the phone number and to generate a more random string and compute a hash value from that. Yes. So I thought, well, that's a really intelligent reply. Well, that's obviously somebody who knows exactly what they're talking about. You're quite right. And as he says, the big yeah. the big thing is the hashing algorithm should be fixed. That's as simple as that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Right. And, and somebody, uh, Ben Lovejoy, who's the author of the article, says, the last stab sounds eminently sensible. You would not need the entire number and email to get something which could be safely assumed to be unique. Yeah. Good comments. Excellent. It's Excellent. nice to yep. see comments that actually yep. help. That, well, that's 9to5Mac, who I think moderate their comments fairly strictly. So you, I've posted on 9to5 uh, right. before, and 
um, if you put comment in there, it, it's like, yeah, your comment has been posted. The moderators will post it after they've seen it. So I don't think oh, that's okay. one where these. So yes, it doesn't tend to get the uh, the common. You know, Apple sucks. Use Linux. You know, whatever. Junk. Um, <laughs> that's right. Um, that's good. Yeah, actually, come on, I, Apple, get that fixed. Yeah, I saw a I saw a tweet by Kate Bevan of which um, which was you know uh, Linux nerds are the worst nerds of all or something and basically somebody had posted a, a specific problem that they you know my grandmother has a problem with iTunes or whatever it was and this is the problem and can anyone help me and the first quote afterwards was use Linux it's like yeah you are not helpful <laughs> are you. You are an idiot. No. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're not doing yourself or any, you know, anybody in the Linux community any good by that. That's, yeah. Absolutely not. Duh. Which is a bit like somebody, I've got a problem in Windows and somebody posting, use a Mac, you know. That's use just, a Mac, yeah. It's not helpful, you know. Uh, once upon a time, a, a colleague of mine said Apple should coin the, the, the term BAM, which is buy a Mac. But um, there we are. <laughs> um, there we are. Uh, we'll move on. Um, the iPad Pro 2021. Now, uh, we discussed this last week. Um, there was some controversy or to and froing about whether or not the new iPad Pro uh, 12.9, 13-inch with uh, X liquid, was it? Liquid Retina XDR Super Mini... LED or whatever it is, uh, would fit in the previous Magic Keyboard stand thing, okay? Because the the new iPad Pro 2021 12.9-inch liquid retina XDR display is 0.5 millimeters thicker. And it appeared that Apple had said that the older 2020 Magic Keyboard was not compatible with that machine. But uh, Jim will remember, I think, that I said there were people online who had said, well, I've tested this. I've cut some printer paper, like seven sheets of printer paper, which should measure about 0.6 millimeters and put it between my, you know, magic keyboard and my current 2020 um, iPad Pro 13 inch. And I can still close the screen. I can still close it. Right. I can still close it up. Um, Apple. Uh, kind of implied that that wasn't true, but uh, they have now issued um, um, what what they call it? Uh, it's um, oh, I've put the wrong link in. Damn, I've linked the wrong thing to that story. Um, they have now. Oh yes, put, I noticed that. <laughs> yes, I've got the wrong. I've, I've put the wrong link on that story. I'll correct that before we uh before we release. Um, basically, Apple have now said that. The uh, in a support document, they have said that the new the 2020 Magic Keyboard for 12.9 inch MacBook Pro is quote unquote functionally compatible with the new um with the new uh iMac uh, iPad Pro. So uh, what they're saying is it, it it may not close as perfectly as it should especially if you have a screen protector on your iPad, which I'm guessing right. would say it will work, but it might but be it a little perfect. It might be just a hint tight. Um, yeah. I, I, I never really thought about it as a case because it's a stand. I know it should fold down into a case, but I've always kind of thought of that magic 
uh, keypad, you know, keyboard stand as something that people put at home on their desk and they put their iPad on it and use it. Yeah. Uh, I never really thought about much about closing it up and carrying it around as a in a sort of laptop form. Um, of course, I'm sure some people do. The mm. uh, it would appear basically if you have an older one and you're considering buying the new iPad, it's probably okay. And as I said last week, you know, cut some printer paper that's half a mil thick and put it in, and you should get an idea of exactly how tight it's going to be. Um, and the new one, if you don't have one, you buy a new one, and it's a fraction larger. Probably, it's probably, let's say, it's probably a quarter of a mil thicker than the 2020 one, you know. Um, maybe, whatever. Because they're saying, effectively, it, it should work. Don't put a screen protector on as well, because that probably adds another quarter of a mil, and then you're too tight. Which just proves how tight Apple's tolerances work, but there you go. Yeah. Um, there we are. Uh, okay, let's move on. Let's move on from that. Um. 14.5 track app tracking transparency toggle is mysteriously grayed out for some users, according to 9to5Mac, and a load of other people, by the way. Um, obviously, the 14.5 app tracking transparency toggle is... So we've this, all... is where you, this is where you switch it off for good? Yes. Is that... Is that a... Yeah. That is, yes, because... You, you basically don't, don't track anything. Yes. And yeah, don't right. warn yeah. Right. That basically, the app tracking transparency is the thing where you can choose to have every app ask you individually, uh, are you okay with us tracking you and this is the data we want to track? Um, and you can therefore say yes or no on an app-by-app basis. Um, I, when we were on um, last night with uh, Elisa and Melissa, some of, you know, there was some confusion about, you know, what on and off actually meant, you know, allow or don't allow what what should you you know choose well here we go it's asking you if you want to allow apps to request to track you so if you turn it on which is green apps will ask you individually um do you want us to you know do you wish us to uh, to allow us to track you but and they can give whatever reason it is that they feel they want to track you um if you turn it to off the default then is because uh Alicia was a little confused. If I turn it off, does that mean it allows that allows them to track me, or it doesn't allow to track me? And um, to be fair, Apple haven't been one hundred percent clear about this, but I have looked into it. If you have it set to off, do not ask. You know, allow apps to track me. That is a no by default. Basically, any app which wants to track you, if you set that to off, they get an instant no. They won't even flash up the request. The the you know they will get a no sent to them by Apple from your device. So right. Um, so it's if, it's a, it's a negative. It's a negative. It's a no unless you tick yes. yes. In which case you, they will ask you're, you individually. You're asked about it, and every then every app will ask you. Now, interestingly, both Melissa and Elisa said that they had experimented. You know, over the last couple of days with having it on and off, and they had not actually seen any requests to track. Now, Apple are saying that this is rolling out, and so, you know, for the first week or so, apps may not specifically ask you. I mean, if you're, you know... It could be it's waiting for updates to the apps. Yes, it is. Basically, it's waiting for apps, and and Apple has said that they need to comply. So I think they might have given apps a couple of weeks to catch up, but... Well, I was going to say... I hit the same snag when I saw that menu, and I didn't know whether to switch on or switch off. You know, because um, I didn't know whether off meant nothing would happen, or if you put it on, nothing would happen. It wasn't very clear, 
But the answer I got to that problem was if you looked at the um, the the page, there was a wee bit to find out more. You clicked on the wee link. Yes, you more. need to and click that. That's the... where it explained it clearer, but it was very vague. Very, yes, very vague. it is. And um, both Elisa and Melissa uh, last night then realised that if you click the little learn more, it will explain what the options are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's but that's not the only thing in the Apple's menu uh, that has that vagueness. There's quite a few other um, settings that are very vague. You don't know whether uh, if you switch it to green, it works to keep things happen, stop things happening, or whether you put the green to make it harm. Apple needs to sort out this menu system, make it much more clear to understand. I think it yeah, does. I mean, we know that. We, well, we know that Apple are always going to default onto security, don't we? Yeah, but we're we're we nerds in reality compared. To, <laughs> That's true. You know, That's true. So yeah. we, we have a rough idea of what Apple means, but for the ordinary yeah. member of the public, us who, us, who, us nerds though are the only people who really care. Yeah, <laughs> well, that is true. Um, I mean, for for what it's worth, if somebody wants to if somebody wants to to be private, um, and they're not a nerd. They don't, that, that, this is where you, you hit, the, hit the problem. Well, the, uh, the, they might they might switch on and not realise that this is what they're going to be getting. Well, it's, it's off. It's off by default. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's off by default. So Apple have mm. assumed that you do not wish to be tracked. So yeah. if, if you are a non-nerd right. and you never fiddle with it, you will not get asked to be tracked because you, Apple will be sending a no. You can do one. Yeah. When their Facebook app says, enough. "Do you do you want to? Would you like us to track you?" The answer is going to be, "No." This user does not wish to be tracked. Full stop. So you actually act, have to actively go in there and turn that on to get individual requests. Now, I've seen some articles this last few days where um, Facebook and Instagram are actually putting up a screen before the yeah. before the. So now. Yeah, would you like us to track you, yes or no? Where they are implying that, oh, well, if you don't let us track you, we might have to charge you for our services. Mm. Um, now, that's blatant emotional blackmail. And uh, several commentators have said, Facebook are never going to charge people to be on Facebook because the minute they do that, you know, they're going to lose 90% of their customers just like that. So it's a it's an emotional <laughs> blackmail threat. Oh, if you don't let yeah. us track you, we might have to charge you. Well, you know, no, no, they won't, because the minute they, if they charged even, as Elisa said, if they charged even one dollar a month, ninety percent of people would leave and go somewhere else, because there are always other options, right? They go to, was it MeWe or you know, um, it's the same as if Twitter started saying we're going to charge you, people would all go to, um, yeah, what's the other go one? Somewhere else, <laughs> they go to the, the the federated one. What's it, um, Mammoth or whatever it is, the the other one anyway. The, the the Twitter-like thing that um, people who don't like Twitter use, um, the federated one that you can run your own instance and all the rest. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, there are other options, and people stick with Facebook. It, it's the classic inertia. We've talked about it before. Why do people stick with Microsoft? Why do people stick with Adobe? Why do people continue to be on Facebook? Why do people join Facebook even though they don't like Facebook? Because everybody else is on there. And... If Facebook did something that annoyed a huge percentage of their users, then the delete Facebook and go somewhere else move would not be a minor annoyance to them. It would be a massive existential problem. You know, everybody would leave 
um, and go somewhere else. So, but yeah, they're uh, trying to emotionally blackmail people, both Instagram and so apparently this, Facebook. Uh, so this story is about the that being greyed out for some reason. Uh yes, that it toggle? is. Sorry, let's get let's go back to the point. Some people are um, experience a problem where that is greyed out and they cannot switch it. Apparently, um, ah, carry on. Um, it seems that this behaviour is somewhat related to the personalised ads option, which is also in privacy mm-hmm. settings. Um, if this was on before we updated to 14.5, the new app tracking transparency became available. If devices had personalised ads off, the app tracking transparency controls were greyed out. Um, now, that might mean that if you've said, I don't want personalised ads, Apple have taken that as a no by default. Um Mm-hmm. But uh, people are saying, possible. Yeah. but they're saying this is unclear if this is a bug, uh, you know, expected or a bug. I suspect it's a bug. I suspect what it's doing, although this is not proven, I admit, they think that if you've already said I don't want personalised apps uh, ads, um, then that the um, the app tracking thing is is like, well, this person doesn't want any person any, any tracking. Full stop. So it we'll set it to you know we'll set it to no tracking and not even bother to. Uh, do it. I suspect it's a bug because I'm pretty sure um, I have personalised ads off on all my devices, and um, I've been, you know, I'm still on the betas, and it's still active for me. So I suspect right. there's some yeah, kind yeah. of bug. Sounds like it. Doesn't it? I, I had personal uh, personal switched off, uh, but my the um, tracking uh, wasn't greyed out, so it would appear to be a bug. Depending hmm. on what phone you've got, it could be related to what phone you have. It could be related to something else. Apple have said um, it will be greyed out by default for IDs, uh, Apple IDs where the owner is under 18, uh, which means basically um, because you're under 18, they're not going to allow you to even have the option of turning it on, which is fair enough, okay, because you're under 18 and Apple therefore decide that you should not be tracked. Um, Or if you have a device with an MDM profile restricting uh, tracking settings, um, although in many cases users are not able to access this new option even when the situations uh, do not apply. Uh, if you are, if you've already updated and it is greyed out, there's not much you can do. Uh, the only thing I will say about that is, if it's greyed out, it is still turned to off. In other words, do not track me. So you haven't really lost anything very much apart from the option to say I'd like to give you all my details to Facebook. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> There are bugs in uh, iOS 14. I've, I've been experiencing a problem of late um, with Wi-Fi. Um, uh, where I generally don't switch the phone off. It's left on overnight, charging mm. up, because I use it as an alarm. Yeah, don't we all? Um, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. And what I find is uh, you know, if I switch on the Wi-Fi, um, the, yeah, you touch touch on Wi-Fi in, in the settings, and it greys out as if you've selected it, and it'll sit for five, ten minutes before it'll do, move on to the next bit for switching on Wi-Fi. And if you try and switch on Wi-Fi, it will not react. And then about ten minutes later, it might actually switch on. And then it takes forever to find the right Wi-Fi, and that carries on and carries on. But then if you swipe out the menu and go back into Wi-Fi, you get a blank, black screen. Um, so 
I went into the Apple Genius uh, Apple Store in Glasgow to see the genius about it, and got the phone checked out. Um, it did a diagnostic, and it says nothing wrong with the phone. Uh, the phone's in perfect working order. Do a, do a, 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 a restore and install the OS again, which I've just just done as we were talking on you know, talking on the show, and I'm back to the same problem. Mm. Uh, not quite as bad. But I'm still getting problems with the menus. It's settings that's the problem. It's not the apps. Well, that's so there's de- definitely a bug. There's definitely a bug somewhere in iOS 14. But you, you know, you have you have the same phone as me, don't you, Jim? You have the the 10R. Yeah, 10R. Yeah. Which is what I've and got. This, yeah. And yeah. I, You're just lucky, Jim. That's all. Uh, well, oh, it's a bit. It's <laughs> like it's a bit You're like special. <laughs> special yeah well it's a bit like poor alistair and his endless icloud problem you know every time apple yes. release an yeah. ios update he's hoping it's going to fix his problem with his with his icloud syncing and he's done everything we know he has in the mm-hmm. slack he reports endlessly he's done this he's done that he's been to the mm-hmm. he's been on to apple they've done this they've said restore your system do this back and he said it has persisted whatever this bug is has persisted on his um ios devices through several ios versions several ios updates uh several mac os updates and he still cannot resolve it and he has done everything yeah and- if it yeah if it was in if he was in uh, the us um he, he might be looking at uh, uh, lemon law i think mm. <laughs> he's obviously oh, got oh, a fr- he's obviously got a friday iphone <laughs> it could be well, I'm, or- I'm sitting here with um, i think i I'm think sitting he- here with wide and it cannot find. I'm sitting between. I'm sitting beside um, a router, and I've got a, a, a you know extender in the bedroom as well. So I'm in between the two, and the Wi-Fi networks thing is spinning away here. And mm. It can't find either of the two. Do you know Wi-Fi what systems? Yeah, you, you see, what? I had a problem like that with a, an early iPhone, and I just took it back, and they replaced it. Mm. So I think I'll be going back in again. I think you might need to go back in. Your other option, Jim. And I had this when I had a problem with one of my iPhones when it went blind. Um, it, it I, you might remember several years ago, I had an iPhone, um, a new iPhone, and after about two days, it just went completely blind to Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, everything. Nothing I did would work, and I actually rang up Apple and uh, got the you know allowed the genius or the the tech uh, Apple support to log into my Mac. And then he said, please connect your iPhone to the, you know, to your laptop. And you connect it with a USB cable, obviously, USB to lightning, whatever. And then he's actually in my machine and he can then get into the phone directly where I am with my Wi-Fi and, you know, in my home environment and examine what's going on. And then he said, well, can you do this? No, I can't. Why not? Why can't you do that? Because I can't get on (laughs) Wi-Fi. You know, can you go into your Apple ID and reset the device, you know, remove it from your Apple ID and add it back? No, I can't. Why not? Because I can't talk to Wi-Fi. So, you know, then he connected to it and he did all the things himself. I went, you got a duff iPhone, mate. There's something wrong with it. <laughs> it's broken. He's like, well, I could have told you that 20 minutes ago. But he's like, yeah, you know, we have to do all this stuff. But he's like, OK, I'll send you a box. And like the next day, a box came and I put my iPhone in it and it went back. And then I guess they put it on the bench and tested it there. And, you know, the day after that, a new iPhone arrived and the problem was solved, you know. Um, I think I'll be uh, making an appointment to see them again. You might be better off. 
gym literally contacting them online where they can do that where they can log into your phone and check it out because i'm not saying the geniuses you know don't do that but they plug it in and go well according to us it's working but the 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 guys online are kind of one level up from that yeah according according to their uh, diagnostic tool the phone's in working order but it's Mm. obviously not in working order that's a clean install and it's still doing the same problem yeah now it can't find wi-fi that's you've probably you know like i say i had one that went completely blind and it couldn't see wi-fi it couldn't see bluetooth it couldn't see anything and yeah well the other good thing is i've got the extended um apple care i Mm. took that out on purpose yeah so you know um if you you might be better contacting them you know online and talking Mm. to them there and allowing them to you know connect it to your mac and log into your mac and then log into the phone from there and um that way they can assess your phone like directly i'm not saying the geniuses don't know what they're doing because i'm sure they do mm. but it's not quite the same as logging into your phone while you're logged in um well the other options i take the computer in with me well there, there's that but um you know you might find it better to contact them online you you know the, the yeah. people in the people in cork who is who you will get if you contact uh apple support are very very good i've never had a problem um yeah they're always very very helpful and you know if the first person you talk to says oh well can you have you done a restore i, I i've always done this thing where i i'm not rude to them in any way but before they start on their script i'll say let me tell you what i've already done okay and i've done this and this and this and i've i've tried this and i've tried that you know i'm not a unskilled user as it were and they will then usually say well you've i've i'm reading my you know list of things that i normally tell people you've already done all of them i'm going to refer you directly to an actual engineer um Mm -hmm. and so yes you have to explain politely that you do know what you're doing and you've done these things and then they will say i will put you straight through to an engineer and then you get an engineer who's one level up and they say all right i can see from this report you've done all these things let me log into your mac and connect to your phone and i will have a look and Whenever I've had a problem that's gone that far, which isn't very often, they've always then said, yeah, there's a problem with your Mm. phone, right? I've looked at the phone. I cannot, you know, either this setting cannot be enabled or I've tried it and it won't work. Therefore, the phone is dud. I'll send you a box, send it back. We'll replace the the phone. The thing that that rings alarm bells with me, Jim, is that it's your settings that you're having problems with. If it was... If it was an app, if it was some kind of app conflict or or whatever, that's one thing. But if it's actually the the OS itself, everyone else is fine. So something's not right with your phone. At the moment, it's sitting trying to find Wi-Fi. Uh, I've had just some other network it's going to, which is not what I want. But anyway, it's sitting here trying to find Wi-Fi. Meanwhile... All the apps that were, because um, I've done a complete restore, all the apps are loading up via my 4G cell. Mm. <laughs> right. I hope you've got plenty of space, plenty okay, of bandwidth. Okay, I've, I've got two, well, I've about 400 gigabytes of data available. Uh, I've oh, that should on, be okay then. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if, if that had been someone who, who had a limited amount of data. Oh, yeah, that's just a problem. Yes, that might be a problem. Yeah. I, I would definitely speak to Apple and. I'm not saying don't go into go back into the store. You could try that, but and and go back because this is yeah. the other thing I found with Apple, and this is something that's really important that for everybody should know. If you have a problem with your Apple device, be it your Mac, 
your iPhone, your mm. iPad, whatever it is. If you have a problem, report it to Apple as soon as you discover a problem. Because I had a problem yeah. with a phone many years ago. I don't remember. It might have been my iPhone 4, where what happened was the the uh, ear speaker became iffy, okay? I It would crackle and go out, and I found if I pressed on the uh, glass just to the right of where the ear, ear, ear speaker was, it would come back. And I reported it to Apple, and they said, okay, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually it gave up altogether. And so I phoned up and I said, the ear speaker on my phone has died. And they looked in, they went, tapity, tapity, tap. Well, I'm afraid you're out of warranty, sir. And I said, yeah, but I have reported this problem previously. And they went, let me look at your history. Oh, yes, you have. Okay, yes, I see you reported this six months ago. Um, Well, in that case, it's a known problem with your phone. So we send the phone in, we will either repair it or replace it. So if you've reported a problem and it gets worse or causes a problem once you're out of warranty, the chances are if you've reported it, Apple will still cover it. They will cover it as if it's in warranty. So they fixed my phone with that problem, even though it was out of warranty, because I had reported the problem to them previously. So that's worth knowing. Yeah. If you get a problem with your device, the sooner you report it to Apple, even if they say, well, I'll just leave it for now, see how it goes, which is not the sort of thing that Apple usually do. But even if they do, right, um, it also turned out after the event that that particular model of iPhone 4 had a problem where there was uh, some kind of solder joint to the um, to the ear speaker, which would fail. And the reason that it would work if you pressed on the to the right of the speaker was that you were pushing the joint back down and making it connect again. There, there was a, a point at some solder joint which would crack, which was, you know, specific to that phone. And a certain, oh, probably... I'm, I'm saying, I've just just out of interest, Jim, I've just done a search for Wi-Fi connection problems following upgrade to iOS 14, 14.5. And there are a number of iOS 14 updates and Wi-Fi problems on there. All right. Mm-hmm. On the Apple developer forums. Um the... You know, is that I don't a problem? Know whether it's a, you know, is that a problem you had? I'll, 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 uh, I'll have a go. What's that? I was going to say, is that a problem you you've know? had before you were on iOS fourteen or it or fourteen point? You know, I'm trying to remember. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to remember uh, whether there was any problems before or not. I can't actually remember. Uh, fourteen came out when last year. Yes. Well, probably not. No, yeah, so probably not. So you know, maybe. But maybe it, but it all could also be a bug, you know. Let's let's face it, you know, nothing is perfect. Am, am I right in thinking that you can do a reset of network settings? You can. That's possibly worth doing, Jim. I think you can, can't you? You could go into yeah. The... Sorry, I've just I've just read one of these articles, and one of them suggests that that might help. Yes, you that, that... would be. Mm. You go into the settings network. There's it's somewhere in there. You could do a search. There's reset network settings where basically you'll wipe all your network settings, and then you will every Wi-Fi, you know, all the mm-hmm. passwords and whatnot you've got stored will get wiped. But you then have to log into every Wi-Fi again, which is a bit of a pain. But it can sometimes fix problems like that. I had a, actually. Yeah. yeah. Do you know okay, you're gosh. listening? <laughs> yeah, to Wi-Fi problems on Essential Apple, okay. and why not? I was just. I, I, I... 
I was just yeah, going to say, you're listening to Troubleshooting with the Essential Apples crew. Well, you are indeed. Currently, I'm sitting with Wi-Fi showing the uh, extended router uh, as Wi-Fi selection, but there's no Wi-Fi indication on the top right-hand corner. No. Uh, I've tried pressing mobile data to get into that to see if I could find where that uh, reset is. And I'm sitting with the grayed out mobile data and not... Oh, there we go. Finally, finally. There seems to be a delay in things happening. Mm. Uh, but I'm trying to find... Where, where would that be to reset? Would that uh, be under general? Um, oh, blimey. I think it's under... Uh, right, right off the top of my head, Jim, I couldn't tell you. And my my phone is not oh, here hand. General reset. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. It's under general reset, so... Yeah, you uh, can go down. Reset. I'll give, I'll give, I'll, yeah, reset all the network yeah, settings. Yeah. Um, if that yeah. doesn't work, I'll do that once. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, that once the apps have all up, up, uploaded. Yeah, yeah, don't do it now. Yeah. Okay, well we'll move on now. Um, after that extended Wi-Fi um piece. Um, yeah, nine to five Mac. Apparently Siri thinks you will be able to add your new Apple TV remote to Find My which is quite strange because everybody's been saying, why does the new, um, you know, the new Apple TV remote, the new one, uh, not have Find My built in? It appears that Siri thinks that you will be able to connect it. So um, until people get those in my in their hands, maybe that's something that hasn't been added. And that was the thing you, you, you were saying, wasn't it, Nick? You should be in Apple marketing because they've missed a trick. <laughs> yes. You did. You said, oh, look. That, that Siri, she's clever, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, as you said, you know, they should have had a thing where, oh, look, here's my, you know, here's my old Siri remote that I've lost down the sofa. Well, that's not going to happen with my new one because it, it's on Find My. Um, I don't know. Apparently, Siri thinks that you can add your new Apple TV remote to Find My, but Apple have not confirmed that. So uh, that make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? It would. And if they have, why the hell didn't they announce it? That would have been a huge selling point. Um, yeah, of course we've. We've all got we've all got sofas with big holes underneath them and tunnels and things, and you know, <laughs> just like on just like on the keynote. Well, listen, mate. If I go spelunking down mine, I can assure you that I find all sorts of things. I do indeed. You know, old old <laughs> Apple re- reappear a week later. <laughs> old Apple TV remotes, just like him. You know, coins, um, pistachio nuts, peanuts. <laughs> you know, God yes. knows what. Lost, lost remotes, TV remotes, all sorts go down there, mate. Um, you know, and I didn't need a, a you know, I don't actually need a, a an air tag to do that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I've got a piece here. I'm not going to go into this too deeply, but um, iPhone battery recalibration in iOS 14. Um, I've got two links here. One from Nine to Five Mac and one to Forbes. Um, the one from Forbes is uh, why the latest update is crucial for iPhone 11. Um, and what nine to five Mac is here's how the battery recalibration works in iOS fourteen point five. Um, they introduced the battery health monitor previously uh, at the start yeah. of iOS fourteen, I think, um, and that shows you, you know, your phone is at X percent of original capacity, and your battery is still able to maintain peak performance. This was after the whole battery gate thing. Um, some people are saying or Apple have said that some people get a problem where their phone erroneously, for some reason, gets confused and is wrongly reporting the state of their battery and whether or not it can maintain peak performance. 
So they've added an option to recalibrate. Now, this recalibration takes weeks, okay? If you if you think that your iPhone is, you know, too new to re- be reporting I'm only 85% and you can't maintain peak performance or whatever, you can ask it to recalibrate. And this will take place over three to four weeks, apparently, where it will measure your usage and your battery and your charging cycles and whatnot and attempt to recalibrate um, what the battery health monitor thinks of your battery so basically if there's you know there's no need to do this unless you think that your iphone is erroneously reporting that your battery has had excessive wear and and so on but it's something that's 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 a little bit like uh, that's a little bit like with electric cars so with electric cars um they recommend quite often that you i mean the way i drive at the moment i don't need any more than 80 percent of the battery most of the time so yeah. i charge to 80 percent when i need to charge um but they recommend that every now and then you charge it to 100 percent because it does all this balancing and stuff at the end yeah of the charge uh, well and if you if you if you don't do it very often then it will misreport the battery state capacity. yeah and the other thing is of course yeah. um apple introduced a, a, a more smart charging regime for your iDevice. So the newer iDevices, um, if they're on um, iOS 14, I think, might have been iOS 13 where they introduced it. But what happens there is your phone or device will charge up to about 80% and then will figure out when you usually unplug it from the charger and then only charge the last 20% over the time it expects you to unplug. So, for example, I use my, I leave, like Jim, I leave my phone plugged in overnight, okay, because I use it as an alarm and I use it at night to play me podcasts while I go to sleep and so on. And what happens is when I wake up in the morning, because, you know, COVID time, I don't always wake up the same time and I can, but what will happen is I will pick up my phone and it will say, your phone will expect to be charged to 100% at 9am, yeah? So basically, when I plug it in, whenever I go to bed, it will charge it up slowly because it knows that I'm, you know, that's when I'm asleep, and it will charge it up to 80%, and then in the hour before it expects me to unplug it, it will push it to 100, um, which which is, you know, something Apple added to help. I think the reason that um, Forbes have said why uh, the latest update is crucial for iPhone 11 is apparently that some iPhone 11 models are the ones most prone to misreporting battery wear. Um, yeah. I mean, I've not had a problem with my 10R. Um, I don't know any. I'm interested. Yeah, go on. I'm interested to hear that you uh, fall asleep to um, the podcasts. I can recommend one or two. There's one called the Essential Apple. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what I do, I have to admit, right, I, I put on podcasts. Um, you know, John Gruber is very good. And by the way, friend of the show, Glenn Fleischman, was on um, the, the most recent uh, Daring Fireball with John Gruber. So, you know, look, uh-huh. we, we mix with the, uh, you know, Technorati who mix with John Gruber. Um, it's a very interesting Indeed. show, by the way. It's very, a very interesting show. Very good. Um, yeah, that's kind of glory by reflection there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had Glenn on our show. Look, and he's he's a big enough name to be on John Gruber's show. But, um, yeah, I do. And I, I'm quite honest. Uh, I, I put on things like John Gruber, um, Apple Insider. 
uh, you know, shows that tend to be run quite long. And yes, I will yeah. fall asleep while I'm listening to them. And then in the morning, what I do is I put them back on. You know, I, I'm not like, oh, I don't care. I put them back on and then I scroll forward and think, yeah, what's the last bit I remember? Oh, I remember them talking about that. And then I listen to the rest of it. It just... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I find, you know, COVID times, um, if I'm not careful, I go to bed and then my mind is racing, worrying about all sorts of things. As yeah, you do. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I have to I have to admit that in my past um I, I have fallen asleep to the the blessed Don McAllister. <laughs> yeah, that's just I like shows where people got just quite, talk, you know. He's got a voice that sort of just gently soothes you and uh, I I must admit I have sometimes been watching some of his stuff and I've been really interested but then I I wake up when he's he's finished. <laughs> he's wrapping up. I think oh, I'm going to have to go back and watch that now. Parallels Desktop 16 for Mac is now available for M1 Max. Um, Surely good. I think I've mentioned before that um, Dougie recommended to me um, that I tried the technical preview, which was a free, uh, you know, beta program for M1 for desktop, uh, Parallels Desktop 16, which has now ended. And they've kindly offered me a, a voucher should I wish to buy a license with a, you know, a, a reasonable discount. Um, I I am not going to purchase it because it, it's more for fun than anything else. Um, yeah. But if, you know, if you want um or need to run uh, uh virtual machines on M1 Macintoshes, uh, Parallels Desktop 16 is now available uh for purchase. If you already have a license, by the way, it's free. So if you already have a license for Parallels De- Desktop 16 and you've moved to an M1, you can simply update and you will get the fix. Okay, so there's no charge if you Probably already are a paying customer. Uh, the public beta obviously was free. Um, apparently, I've, I've, I've been having a play with um, uh, an open source. Um, yeah, uh, before we go on to that, Nick, there's just one more thing oh, I yeah, need to on. say about um, Parallels. Um, if you buy the par- or buy or have a license for Parallels 16 and you get the update which works on M1, they have instructions, which is about what Nick is also about to talk about. They have instructions and a video on how to get hold of the Windows for ARM 64 uh, inside a build. Um, as they yeah. say, um, you know, it, it's now working for Intel and M1 and they explain how... Uh, it works with, you know, Ubuntu, Linux, any other Linux, whatever, various other um, things. If you want to run Windows, you will need to get the ARM64 inside a build. Um, and they don't actually provide that to you, but they do give you instructions on how to get hold of it. So, um, and now, sorry to have interrupted you, Nick, but now you, before the show, you were saying that you'd been experimenting with another open source virtualizer, which can now... Um, do a variety of OSs on the M1. So, yes, yeah. I found a, a YouTube video um, which is called UTM Windows 10 plus virtualization on M1, um, and uh, it seems to work reasonably well. So, it you download the uh, the uh, UTM software. Um, you can get it in the. You can either download it from the website, which I think is free, or if you want to support them, you can actually pay nine ninety nine and buy it through the app store um and then all you do is get, it's got three buttons on the main page uh, create a new virtual machine browse utm gallery and you go into browse utm gallery and it shows all the virtual machines that you can download 
Um, and if you just click on the Windows 10 version, and it actually talks you through what you need to do, uh, download UDM for Mac, win, um, get the Windows for ARM uh, by signing up to the um, Microsoft... Um, Insider program. What did you yeah. call it? Insider yeah, the, program. Insider yeah. program. Yeah, it's basically... Yeah, it's li- you literally just set up an account page. with them. Yeah. yeah. It technically you literally just set page. up an account with them. It is, yeah. Uh, and then there's some... T- spice guest tools that you have to download as well uh, which are to do with drivers basically um uh and the only complication with it, it literally this steps you through it you know how to set it up how to you know you might name it windows 10 you choose the architecture as arm 64 you choose the amount of memory you want to use uh, and then you import the drive now this is the slightly complicated bit when you download the um windows 10 um virtual machine uh, it comes as a vhdx file okay and that tends to crash it tends to crash and then it just goes into a loop trying to fix itself within within the virtualizer within the virtualized machine um so what they recommend is a little bit complicated you have to download homebrew and then download something called qemu yeah uh, that's a very well if you're if you're interested in kind of open source virtualization, okay, I don't yep. know how people pronounce it. I guess it's probably uh, Kimu, but um, Kimu could be. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, Q E M U. I've come across so that. M U is obviously emulator. Yes, it's yep. a, and I've come across that before. Um, and I think uh, I could be wrong about this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's the basis of a program called Sheepshaver, which is a strange oh, name. Oh, I've not heard of that. Well, Sheepshaver is a virtualizer to allow you to run classic Mac OS. Oh, okay. Right. So you can run like OS 6, OS, you know, System 6, System 7, whatever. It's a, um, anyway, by the way, it, 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 it's not something I've never heard of. Put it that way. It's, um, it's Surely reasonably good. well so known. The, uh, the the troubleshooting it's actually got a bit right at the bottom of the page that i'm looking at that says troubleshooting uh, and i'd recommend that you do this so it says due to an issue with qemu handling of vhdx images sometimes windows will be corrupted from normal during normal usage well it corrupted for me twice and that was enough for me to think okay i'll do this and what you do is you install homebrew you run brew install qemu and then there's a couple of commands that you do in the terminal to actually build a QCOW2 image. And then all you do is you replace the VHDX um, yeah. well, file with the, with the QCOW2 one. Right. Well, the thing uh, and is... Then it seemed, and then it works. Yeah. The virtual... Um, there's a whole slew of different virtual hard drive um, uh, formats. Um, right. There's a Parallels one. There's... Uh, a VMware Fusion one. There's um, there's a, a Virtual Box one. Now most of those, you know, uh, Virtual Box being the free uh, version of uh, uh, you know uh, an emulator. But Intel. Um, I'm hoping at some point that um, Oracle will build an M1 version of Virtual Box, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, yeah. They all have their own. Now most of them. You know, Parallels and VMware Fusion and VirtualBox will nearly all recognize each other's formats. But what, yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with the one that they're, you know, uh, 
they're transferring it to there. But what you're saying is there's a problem yeah. with, with anyway, handling. The, uh, as I say, once I'd got, actually got it all installed, yeah, once I've got it all installed, uh, it seems to work fine. The only the only bit of it that doesn't seem to work fine, and let's face it, this isn't a major problem, is that uh, for some reason it won't launch mail. Um, it just keeps flashing up a window and then disappearing. Uh, but everything else I've tried on it seems to work fine. Well, you know, it's early days, isn't uh, it? So... And I've also installed, uh, absolutely, I've also installed Ubuntu to, um, through this. So the let me just tell you the... Um, let me just tell you the options it gives you. So uh, there's Arch Linux, mm-hmm. Deb, several versions of Debian, React OS, which I, I believe is a like a Win uh, a Mac like uh, interface. No, React React OS, of if I recall, is an open source attempt to reconstruct Windows M- XP. Ah, I believe. Oh, right, okay. Oh, it does look a bit like XP actually. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, and then there's to a, a couple of a couple of versions of Ubuntu, uh, Windows XP, Windows Seven, and Windows Ten, mm. <laughs> the ARM v- uh, version of Windows Ten. The uh, Windows Seven and XP are both x eighty x sixty four yeah um, versions. Yeah, x eighty six. Interesting. Um, you know, we all we all yeah. knew that this this would come. Um, it just takes developers time to figure out how they're going to do it. And, um, you know, it's a combination of emulation and virtualization. I mean, um, if you, you know, if you use Ubuntu, uh, I've said on here before, I tried Ubuntu and the way to get Ubuntu to work on M1 was to download the Ubuntu server ARM64. That's right. Build. And then. Yeah, you, that's what I did. And then you, you log into it and then you add, you know, your, um, your desktop environment of choice so you that's can right. in, you can add no right. or, or okay, all or, the instru- the good thing about this utm is all the instructions are in there exactly so all the just, instructions you just there. follow the instructions <laughs> i mean in my case you know so, i insta- i installed the parallels i installed the parallels you know when it was a you know free technical preview but and to play with not you know i, I don't need an ubuntu virtual machine but for many years i've maintained Nor do one. I. yeah I've maintained one for fun, just to you know play with. Um, and I really like Ubuntu. I really do. Um, I happen to yeah. use uh, what's known as the GNOME fallback, uh, which is a, a, a more simple than the current version that Ubuntu will install. the The current version is much more Mac like, but I prefer the older version. But that's a, another thing. Um, and I do it for fun, um, just to see. The only thing that holds me back from running a full uh, Linux machine on the side, as it were, is if you run Ubuntu and, you, you know, it's a lovely operating system. It's nearly as slick as Mac. The one problem you have is, yeah, you cannot get Microsoft apps. You cannot get Adobe apps. There are lots of equivalently apps you can get, which are very nice, but, you know, they're not supported by big vendors. But if you're not interested in those things, if you just want a machine, if you want something... And I know most of our listeners obviously are, are Mac users, but if you wanted a machine for somebody who couldn't afford a Macintosh, wants a Macintosh-like experience and doesn't need access to Microsoft, Adobe, whatever, you can build them a lovely Mac-like experience on sometimes quite old kit. Um, you know, you can build a really beautiful machine on quite old hardware using Ubuntu. I, I really do like Ubuntu. Anyway, we're drifting off. But yes, so that's great. And I'm I'm 
yeah, I, I'd be really interested, uh, Nick. Thank you for that link because I'm going to explore that because obviously my parallels, as I say, my parallels uh, preview has expired. And um, even though it's not cheap and they're offering me quite a nice discount, uh, I'm not prepared to pay for it because it's just something I use for fun. So uh, we'll we'll move on now. Um, Chipolo takes a dig at AirTags uh, when advertising their one-spot item tracker saying no accessories needed. Um, now, Chipolo is one of the companies who are um, part of the Find My initiative. So they're tied into the Apple Find My Um and so, you know, they are partnered with Apple and it's quite amusing. Um, Chipolo one spot will attach directly to your key ring because it has a hole in it. As we were all laughing about the other day, <laughs> it has a hole through. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a round, uh, you know, tag. It's compatible with, uh, find by, um, and it has a hole in it. So you can connect it directly to your key ring. Um, why not? You know, I've no idea what they sell for. Um, I've no idea what they sell sell for. I'll be honest. Um, perhaps I should find. I don't know. What does anybody know? What a Chipolo sells for? No idea. Not a clue. Hang on. Let me follow this link and see what it sells us. Because I know. Um, obviously, we know that. Um, uh, the does it come uh, with fish? Chipolo. Does it come with fish? No, apparently not. Chipolo. <laughs> uh, also, fish and Chipolo. It, as 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 several. Um, I, I heard several people on. Um, on various shows, miss miss um, say, oh, it's Chip- Chipotle. But uh, Chipotle is something completely different, by the way. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Chipolo with think no, that's not a link. That's a link to another another article, not not to Chipolo. I'm going to type it in, and if I have to edit this out later, so be it. We're going to do Chipolo. All right, Chipolo, Chipolo one spot. Works with Apple Find My. Ships in June. Yes, okay. Not available yet then. Not available right this minute. Um, yes, come on then. Tell me. Tell me more. Oh, it's not going to load it. Thank you. Come on. Nope, it's not going to load their bloody learn more. Probably there's no more to learn right now. Probably a dead DNS. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. I might have to edit that bit out. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know what the Chipolo sells for, but never mind. Um, so anyway, they've had a, they've had a little dig. Oh, it's finally loaded. Uh, it's finally loaded. Uh, ships in June. Join the wait list. Oh, yeah. Could I have a price? No, no price. All right. Uh, thanks. That's not very helpful. Um, there we are. Uh, but fair enough. You know, I've got another one here actually that goes with that. Um, sub to that. Apparently to WCCF Tech. You can drill a hole in your air tag and directly attach it to your keychain with a, a vow, uh, with, to avoid purchasing an expensive accessory. Um, basically, somebody's figured out that um, on the outer rim there is a uh, there is a piece which does not, you know, impact the hardware. Um, effectively, if you drill the hole between the outer ring and the inner piece, so there's a kind of a little grey ring. There's there's the metal inner piece, a darker grey ring, and then a kind of what a pale grey bumper around the outside. If you drill a hole through the um darker grey ring, that will not damage your um air tag functionally and therefore you could put a piece of string or a ring through it. I'm sure it will void your warranty <laughs> and I'm also sure that it will probably bugger up the IP sixty four uh water rating, but there you go. If you 
to be honest, if you're going to buy air tags, uh, you know, just go on Amazon and buy some or Alibaba or somewhere and buy a fourpence halfpenny rubber um, tag. You get, you get a cheap, <laughs> cheap case for five quid. No, yeah, I know. You know, and example. as you as you said last week, Jim, you know, your only fear with that is how long is it going to hold up? But you know, a lot of these Chinese ones are the, what you'd expect. They're the kind of silicon rubber things and they're selling them for you know two three four five quid um and i'll be honest in the past when i've bought those things they've turned out to be perfectly good um so yeah of course they have yeah i mean yeah. one of the first things i did when i bought my watch when i bought my watch was to buy a nice leather strap for it i think it only cost me about 10 quid yeah and apple wanted probably 65 quid for the same thing you know um yes my my apple watch well i must admit look, looking back at when they launched the i when they launched the um, the watch, um, I couldn't believe that they were charging more for a stainless steel watch. I mean, <laughs> you used to be able to buy stainless steel watches to a penny back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Why? Uh, Why are they? Uh, but they charge sixty five extra extra dollars so that you can have stainless steel. Oh, well, I found they, quite well, amusing. I, th- I think it, since then it got worse. I think um, in the later ones. You know, you could yeah. get the aluminium one would be like, I don't know, let's say 300 I don't know. I can't remember the price. Let's say it's $300. Now, if you want stainless steel yeah. with the, with the um, was it the, the ruby glass or whatever it is, they'd be, yeah. you know, twice the price. And I, I seem to oh, remember, I seem to remember John, John Gruber said, you know, like a mug I bought, you know, on the first one I bought a stainless steel one. And the latest one, he admitted on the thing with Glenn Fleischman, like, you know, oh, you know, being the sucker I am, I decided to get the titanium one. And it's like, yeah, I paid twice as much. And actually, in the end, I don't know why. I should have just bought the aluminium one. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just, you know, yeah. because I'm, oh, because oh, it comes with the ruby glass or, you know, ru- or sapphire, sapphire glass. That's the thing, isn't it? Sapphire glass. Ruby slippers. Yeah, yeah, ruby slippers. Comes to the ruby slippers. Take me home. No, um, it comes. It's sapphire glass, isn't it? It's the sapphire glass. Yeah, but he said, actually, right, yeah. you know, it, it, in in the end, um, people have reported in the end that the sapphire glass might be hard, harder, and slightly more scratch resistant than the um, you know, the iron ion X glass or whatever. But they say it's it's right. heavier. It's heavier, and it's actually harder to see see through than the than the ion x class on the basic one so even you know john gruber said you know i think i might have been drinking the kool-aid a bit too much next time i think i'm just going to buy the (laughs) cheap one because after two years i'm going to buy another one anyway so why am i why am i paying six hundred dollars when i could buy one for three hundred anyway there we go um i picked up a tag air tag and the belkin case on mm. saturday Nice. And have you uh, used it yet, Jim, or have you just... Yeah, I've used it, yeah. But I discovered a couple of things that, um, uh, not, but uh, certainly not what was advertised in the the keynote. Um, If you've got got an iPhone that's younger than the 11, then some of the features don't don't actually work. Yeah, you don't don't get the... um... You haven't got the U one, so you don't get the you don't get the precise tracking, yeah. do you? You get the bog standard tracking, yeah. Yeah, and the the other problem was that um, if you if you if you watch the keynote, they presented the tag to the phone, and eventually the menu came up to connect it together. Right. Uh, well, I took it out the box, put it in the case. Well, took it the box, pulled out the wee tag, 
stuck it into the case, the Belkin case. And while I was doing that, I heard a bing, bong, bing, or whatever the noise it is it makes, uh, which suggests that it's powered up. Uh, put it to to my phone, and nothing. Like, oh, right. Try again. Nothing. Try again. Nothing. Okay, right. Take the battery out, put it back in. Try again. Nothing. And it was afterwards I thought, right, let's try putting Bluetooth on. Bing. Connected. Right. So you've got to have the Bluetooth on. Right. Because it's not you... like the other earphones because uh, which have the U1 chip and it's no, low, it... what is it, the low power Bluetooth? LE? Bluetooth? No, yeah, Bluetooth 4. I yeah. think I think your phone and mine, being the XR, still has the Bluetooth LE, but we don't have the U1. So the the the, the tags use a combination of U1 and Bluetooth. So if you don't have Bluetooth turned on, it won't work Mm -hmm. unless you have an 11 or higher, which has a U1, or you're you know, or or you have a Mac that has a U1 or an M1. So if you tried to find my find my Tag on the Find My app. First of all, you you expect it to be in the places. Right. So what I use is the iPhone, the iPad, and my Mac showing up on that. No, is it, it under items? Is it under items the... that you've got to look at? It's in the new <laughs> items tag, yeah, because Find My has now added tracking devices are under items, not devices. Um, yeah, and you would expect it to be with your devices because it's you know, because it's Apple. Yeah. You would expect it to show up in Apple devices, but yeah, I've seen that as well. People have said it yeah. shows up in the new items tag because that's the yeah. new and, 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 tracking tab, which you know supports the Chipolo and the expensive bicycles and the Belkin thing, yeah. and whatever. So the other, the other thing was, it, obviously, it picked up someone else's iPhone. That, you know, it was saying, "I'm here." By the time I got the thing working, I was near left home. So when I did the check to find out where the, where the device was, it was still showing it in back of Glasgow. There is sometimes a lag. Um, uh, I asked, um, I, I needed somebody to turn on Find My for a device the other day. And mm. um, I, I texted them and said, can you turn on Find My for your device, please? Because I need to know where it is. Um, and for about 10 minutes, it said, no location found. Um, and then all of a sudden it went, yeah, your device is over here. So, you know, there can be a lag in where where it thinks things are. Yeah. Um, but I, like you, sure. I have a 10R. So, but, uh, you know, that's by the way, you know. In reality, it's not any different to the tile was much the same. Um, you had the Bluetooth on to, to make it work. Yeah, I think... Uh, the, so there's no difference there. The, 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 big, the biggest difference is you, you cannot use the tile. Or sorry, not the tile. You can't use the eye, the, the air tag to find your phone. No, you uh, can't. Whereas the, the tile, you can click the tile and but the dif- the different. I think the biggest difference is, is that the air tags will talk to any yeah. Apple device... It's, within mm-hmm. range that has either Bluetooth yeah. or the U1 that it can talk to, mm-hmm. and that will mesh send it back to Apple and anonymously say, this device found this tag, and it will track that back and say, that belongs to Jim, and then send you an update. Um, so, But, but yeah, you, both devices have the same problem that in that they, they need other devices to find it. If yes, out, it does. If you're out in the sticks... Oh, yeah, you know, if you if yep. you... T- 
if you drop your, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, if you drop your air tag, because let's say you put your air tag on your wallet, you know, and you're mm-hmm. out stalking red deer on the moors and you lose your wallet, um, mm-hmm. it, it's only going to get found. <laughs> well, well, you've lost it until somebody happens to wander near it who happens to have an eye device that you can pick it up. Um, but Apple have, have, Apple have made that clear. You know, they have said that's why it's not suitable for tracking mm-hmm. pets, yep, yep. because if a pet runs off, it's going to run off into the woods or up into mm-hmm. the fields, right, where there's nobody with bloody eye devices about. So, yeah, if you live in a city, mm-hmm. for example, if you live in a city and you're worried about your dog or your cat, cat wandering off, it would probably mm-hmm. work because the cat would or dog would run off and it's a few streets away and there'll be a million eye, eye devices picking up saying, this is where your dog is. But if you're like me and you live in a relatively rural area, putting an air tag on my dog, if he escaped out of the garden and ran away, um, it, it, you know, the chances of him, because he, he'd run up to the woods and out in the fields, which is where he would go. Actually, you know, just for what it's worth, my dog gets bored after 20 minutes. If he gets out and nobody's chasing him, he'll come back and scratch at the front door. Let me back in. But that's another that's another story. But, um, you know, they have said... It's a, it's a, it's a nice product. Yes. Um, you know, they're, sell, they're selling it yeah. at, a, you know, a market equivalent price. They're selling it at the same price. Yeah. As as you know, the tracker and the various other things, and um, they're selling a four pack, which people, some people predicted they'd sell a four pack at a slight discount. Um, it's a nice product, and if you're interested in it, great. I'm not interested in it, and that doesn't make it a bad product. It's just not for me or Nick. You know, I, I make sure my keys are in my pocket or on my belt loop forever. The only thing I've ever been prone to losing is my hat. And many years ago, I put a Bluetooth tracker on that so that I could make it squawk in the house when I couldn't fa- find where I chucked it. Um, but in the end, I got sick of putting I, I got sick of putting batteries in it, so I just made a habit of now putting it on the bedpost, <laughs> so I know where my hat is. All in, it was uh, forty pounds, uh, including the Belkin case. Mm. Um, the Belkin case is very simple. You know, two halves slide together, twist, and that's it locked. Um, it's not a particularly tight fit, uh, so it does tend to rotate inside the case, but it's no big deal. I um, I, I haven't got the link, but I did see um, you know, kind of secure a, a very nice secure one on one at a on a website today, which was like um industrial black nylon case, mm-hmm. which is you know with a with a keychain and whatnot, and it's uh, you put the air tag inside and then you close it with four screws so you actually screw it together in the inside the industrial nylon case with an everything and i i don't remember how much it was but you know fair let's face it apple are charging a premium for their for their accessories but as we've all said go on alibaba go on amazon and you can buy a perfectly good uh silicon rubber you know holder or you know neoprene holder and it'll be four or five quid so and for a lot of people let's face it as we've said and as jeff said what are the main things you want to put it in right your computer bag your camera bag in his case you know his uh cpap apap bag um you know for his medical device um you know where you're going to want to put it suitcase backpack camera bag and most of those you don't need to do you don't need a thing do you just stick it in one of the little pockets mm-hmm. and forget about it so there you go just, just don't leave it lying around in case the kiddies get it and eat it <laughs> yeah. what are my uh, 
one of my my major problems is losing little bits of paper. So <laughs> if I attached it to a little bit of paper, I don't think that's going to help very much. Somebody. It's not going to help very much, <laughs> is it? <clears throat> So no, is that your better pick with the password? <laughs> oh, oh you, you've caught, caught me out, Jim. Uh, no, no, I know, and I don't have a link for this, but I read an article the other day, um, which said password books are not dead. Okay, and um, the premise of the article was, you know, obviously we laugh at the thing about you know sticky notes with your passwords on and all the rest. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we all promote using a proper password manager, which will generate secure passwords and, you know, remember them for you and all the rest. But I'll be fair to this guy. I, I'm afraid I don't have the link and I'm not going to be able to put it in the show notes because I've no idea where I read it. But what he said is fair, fair enough to be true is there is nothing wrong with having a traditional pocket notebook, you know, like the old. Like we all used to have an old address book, you know, things with the tabs down with the letters down the side. Yeah. Right. There is nothing wrong with having one of those, a little diary sized notebook where you go, A, Amazon, my password is this. Yeah. B, you know, uh, whatever. My password is, you know, this is my account detail. As, as long as you still use good password hygiene and don't use the same password. Um, it's better than some of the alternatives. If it, you know, there is nothing wrong with effectively having a little pocket book, a, you know, little black address book with all your passwords in. Because for most people, what is the chance of you actually being attacked that way? Unless you're a target yeah, of interest, nobody is going to come and pick your pocket and get your little black diary with all your passwords in. They're not. It's it's mm-hmm. you know, Dougie would say risk assessment, right? You're Joe Bloggs. The chances of somebody picking your pocket to get your little black diary with your passwords and logins in is tiny. So if that's the best yeah. way you you're, can manage fact, your you, passwords. In fact, you're far more likely. Yeah, you're far more likely to type your password into a pop up message that you shouldn't. <laughs> exactly. So So actually give give it away. Exactly. So do it. So there we go. Um, right, I'm gonna move on because time is ticking away. Um this is a quick one. Super Duper can now make bootable Big Sur backups. This is from Six Colors. And um, David Nanian has made it perfectly clear. Um, Super Duper can now make bootable backups of Big Sur Macs, including Apple Silicon. And he has said, to be clear, this is only possible because Apple have made it so. Um, it has required changes to M1 startup process and to the ASR, which is apparently Apple's system recovery, which uh, I believe I've mentioned before. I asked Mike Bombick about, and he said Apple have admitted that, you know, uh, we need to make ASR work and it's not working properly with M1 at the moment. So the truth is here, um, you know, David Nanian of, of Shirt Pocket and um, Super Duper and Mike Bombick of, uh, you know, Carbon Copy Cloner and various other people have not been able to properly make, uh, or not easily, I should say, not easily. Mike Bombick did a lot of workarounds to tell people how they could make a bootable backup of an M1 uh, Big Sur Mac. That's down to Apple. Apple said the problem was with them, and now they've that's, fixed it. Yeah. So that's good. Um, right. Let's, that's good news. 
it is good news for everybody, okay? I mean, obviously, we discussed the other week, uh, you know, um, with Glenn Fleischman, how, you know, how desperately important are um, bootable clones now? Um, and it, it may be less, but, you know, for those of us who are old school, we'd still like the idea that we can have a bootable clone. Um, okay, we're going to skip forward now. Um, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe more, Jim... Jim, you mentioned this one, and you've you've mm-hmm. you've put this link in the thing. Um, Gravitricity battery generates uh, its first power at Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, this is on the BBC, um, and this is the system that we would we kind of well, we weren't laughing at, but we were saying it's the grandfather grandfather clock uh, principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll let you take the lead on that one. Um, it's just a. Um... A way of store a new a kind of modern way of an old idea of storing uh, energy. Um, so um, I can't remember exactly how it's done, but they raise up the, the the weight. As I understand it, what they do is they have a very heavy weight at the top of a very tall kind of crane-like tower, and mm-hmm. they let it, you know, over or time. Shaft. Yeah, or shaft. shaft in this, in, in this, the yeah. one. The one in Edinburgh that he's talking about is actually like a, a you know, a crane tower. But yeah, as as you say, it a could crane. be down a shaft. Yeah. It's a but yeah. basically you wind a weight up to the top and um basically you let it descend over time and as it as the weight descends it turns a turbine and the or you know, the turbine, a generator, creates electricity. You then store that electricity either you either send it to the grid or you put it in a battery, right? And when it reaches the bottom what you do is you wait until uh, you know the middle of the night, or what you know the wee the wee small hours where electricity is not being under great demand cheap. and it's cheap. cheap. So then you use some of that cheap mm-hmm. electricity to wind the weight back up to the top. It's it's yeah. what what of the uh... it's buy cheap, sell sell high. You know, <laughs> it is. It's it's yeah. buy. What it's... what are the big issues? Yes. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, Go it on. is one of the big issues with um, one of the big issues with um, electricity generally is we tend to build our electricity supply based upon peak usage. So we need yes. to be able to cover when people are really drawing on the energy, which usually tends to be first thing in the morning, but mostly between about five and eight o'clock in the evening when everyone gets home from work and they all switch all the lights on and all the power goes on and. Yeah, cookers go on, kettles go on, televisions, yeah, everything that uses power. So the big issue, the big issue is, in the past we've scaled our grid based upon the very maximum that we're ever going to need. When in fact, ideally, what you want to do is build your grid so it's smaller, but be able to ramp it up at times when we know there's going to be demand. Yes. And one of the ways of doing that is using these very devices. So you store energy. Uh, another way, of course, is using batteries. If you have grid-scale grid batteries and you store the energy when it's cheap and then when, it, when you get to your peak hours, you then release all that energy. And another idea is um, uh, uh, vehicle-to-grid. So if you've got an electric car, it actually takes power out of your car during the peak hours, and then it recharges it later on in the evening yeah, when it's exactly. cheaper. Uh, all, all to cope with the all to cope with this sort of maximum it's usage balance. that we it's get. Balance. It's all about balance. Isn't it is it? balance. Yeah. Um, it's a similar idea to um, using water as a way of generating power. Yes, yeah. that you have a, a loch very high up, which has the, the reservoir of water. 
and you use that when you need it to turn the turbines. And then it, when you get cheap power and loads of man, you can you can pump the water back up to the loss. So that's it's right. A similar principle, but in a mechanical version. Yeah. yeah. Yes, the difficulty the difficulty with um, the difficulty with water, of course, is that you need a lot of it, and you need to flood areas to do that. Yep. The advantage with this mechanical thing is that you don't. Yeah, not but not necessarily. Well, depends, we haven't got that many mountains. That's our problem. No, we haven't. The good thing about this gravity idea is that it doesn't take up a lot of lands. You know, you're yeah. not building a big dam. No yeah. space it, at all. You can use old shaft. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, you know, cool. you put cool, you put cool crane, idea. you put crane. What do, what do you need? You know, to build a tower crane space. I don't know, fifty meters by yeah. fifty meters. Say, so, you know, and room. You, and if you, you speak for... to if you speak to the experts, if you speak to the experts in this field, they will tell you that what we need is lots and lots of different ideas of this. Type we do, we do to, to actually. Yeah, yeah, so we need battery storage. We need we need this gravity storage. Anything really that can sort of anything. supplement the anything and everything. Well, let's move on then. We've yeah, yeah, we've been going on. Um, NYPD <laughs> has retired their digi dog because public Shit. are unhappy. Um, because they, they, you know, you, you know the Boston Dynamics dog robot. Are we familiar? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're familiar with the 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 Boston Dynamics um dog robot. It's been sent well, back to the kennel, hasn't it? Well, the, yes, it has. Quadruped thing, yes. Yes, the thing. Right, the NYPD uh, employed one called the DigiDog, okay? Um, oh, yes, this is not long ago, isn't it? No, a couple of weeks, right? They they announced that they were going to use the Boston Dynamics DigiDog, or dog, right? And they, they tagged it the DigiDog, okay? Um, and they painted it. You know, blue and yellow is sort of in NYPD colours, and put a, a a blatantly obvious microphone on its back, yeah, and um, announced this. It was like a great a great thing, yeah. This is a great thing. We've announced this digi dog, um, and the people hated it probably because of the um, the Black Mirror thing with the, the with the dogs in. <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, if you if you've watched the Black Mirror thing with the digi, you know the equivalent digi dogs in, they're horrible and they, they, you know, they attack people and slash them to death. Um, so unsurprising. I mean, yeah, they've now decided that maybe uh, a tie up with Boston Dynamics, uh, you know, robotics is not a good idea. Um, actually, I thought I it was like, quite I like nice. This, uh, I like this paragraph. I like this paragraph. It says the high tech robot police dog naturally sent imaginations running wild. But Spot is just a human-operated mobile camera, as opposed to an autonomous, weaponized dog version of RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But the trouble yeah. is, everybody's watched Black Mirror. Do you do you do you think we'll in the West we will ever have robots? I mean, I know we've got robots of sorts, but humanoid or whatever robots. We've got such a we've got such a um, a negative image of robots from our. Uh, our stories. You know, what you mean, mean the, the whole Terminator kind of and whatever and... Terminator? Yeah, and, I just wonder. Know. I just wonder whether we'll ever accept anything like that. You see, China's very different. Well, have China you... have cultivated this sort of very friendly aura, aura around robots, mm. and people seem to accept them much better there. Um, are you familiar with the um, origin of the word robot? No. Uh, okay. No, I don't think so. Okay. No, so there's a, I, I believe he was Polish 
But there, there's a... Oh, I think, yes, I think I might have you are. If you look it up, are you are, okay? Um, it's a simple way to look it up. It's are you are. Um, and it, I can't remember exactly, but it's it translates as something like somebody's universal robots. Um, of course, the story is the same story as, you know, it's the, the Frankenstein creature and um, very old stories, Jewish um, folklore about the, the golem, okay? But basically what happens, he invents these robots to run his factory, slaves to do his bidding, and they become aware that he's abusing them, and they rise up and um, rebel against him. Um, and that is the Frankenstein... The basis of it all. All yeah. of it. What I, f- what I find quite interesting, actually, is that, I mean, look at the troubles that everyone is having um, creating a, a, a robotic car. A car that oh, can yes. drive itself. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, we keep saying it's only a few years away, but the fact is that there are problems that are almost insurmountable to get it to work. I'm not saying it's that it'll never happen, but it they, it is really hard. And I, you know, if that's okay for cars, I mean, car, car rules are actually much simpler than robots having to interact with human rules. <laughs> yeah, there's so so far to go. Steve Jobs said, we've come so far, but we have so far still to go. Um, yes. Isaac Asimov is iconic in the whole robotics thing because of his famous three... Three laws. Three, three laws. laws of robotics, yeah. I know. And, you know, this was purely a mind experiment for him. I mean, the idea of robotics at that time was pure science fiction. And he tried to construct a set of rules which would say this is the way robots could work. And then, by the way, if anybody's not familiar, he then wrote an endless stories, uh, series of stories and books where he tried to wheedle holes in his own set of rules. He would say, you know, he wrote stories where this robot has a reason to misrepresent or misunderstand the rules or so on. And that is why he's so revered, without being in any way biased. The Eastern Hemisphere have a different view of robots for a historical reason. In, yeah, in the West, in the West, uh, the robots are seen as they think it'll uh, take over the world and kill all the humans. And in, in, in the East, like Japan, the Japanese are actually use them to you know they use them for uh, people who are elderly and on their own, yeah, like companions. But they have you know. a whole yeah. different view. I think there are two there are two things in the West which which tie robots to being dangerous. There's um, the Jewish story of the golem, um, which if you're not familiar with, is where you know uh, somebody can construct a humanoid construct and it can be made out of clay or wood or whatever and they can animate it by certain you know dubious magical and religious practices and you've got frankenstein okay and in the west we have a frankenstein complex yeah to be it's interesting it's interesting isn't it that if you took if you took a japanese person and uh, and uh, uh, a wet someone from the west and you and you showed them the same animated human head um the, the japanese person would probably say oh she's pretty mm. 
and the and the response from the West would be, "That's creepy," mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the first response you get. You know, you have to understand. There's a thing called the Uncanny Valley. Um, I don't yes. know if you're familiar with the. But Uncanny is that a West? Valley. Is that a Western thing as well? No, no, it, that's an actual human response thing. So right. Um, there's a point where you can say, "Okay, um." Right. Let, let's say somebody's left lost an arm. Okay. Um, we can build you a mechanical arm. Fine. People. Some people are repelled by that because this person has a mechanical arm. Then you can go. Okay. We can make this mechanical arm look less mechanical, and we can. You know. Okay. Uh, let's say we can put silicon skin over it. And okay, that's fine. People find that slightly less disturbing okay mm-hmm. and then you say well actually we can make that that we could we could do a whole load of stuff that makes that silicon skill skin not look fake but look like look absolutely human and then this is the uncanny valley okay uh okay this person has a mechanical arm i find that a bit weird but okay i you know with a little bit of time i'll get used to it okay this person has a false leg they have a false arm Whatever, I'll, I'll get used to it. You know, it's like the shock of the new. Oh, my God, I'm sorry you didn't... I didn't realise you had a mechanical arm. Then there's... Okay, I've um, I've had my mechanical arm upgraded, so it's now not quite so obviously a mechanical arm. And people will say, okay, that's fine. That kind of doesn't, like, freak you out straight away. And then you reach a point where if you make it too human-looking, people get freaked out because it looks like a human arm, but then when the woman, you know, or person, I say woman, why should I say woman? Woman, man, whoever, moves it, it's obviously a mechanical arm dressed in human skin. Then that's Uncanny Valley. That's like, it looks perfectly normal, but then suddenly it does something that isn't, and people get free. Right. But if we if we got all the way there, then presumably there wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to discern the difference, and therefore we wouldn't have these problems. Well, exactly. The point is, if you can take something far enough that it's indiscernible, it doesn't matter. But in the in between yeah. time, the uncanny valley is it's actually better to say to somebody, "I have a cybernetic arm, and it is covered with I don't know silicon skin." to make it look reasonably human, but that's fine, and people will accept that once they become aware of it. But what if you make it then look perfectly human, and then people realise it's not, they have a shock. What people don't like is being surprised, I guess. That's the secret. The uncanny valley is this is almost human, and then I just suddenly discover it's not, and then I'm creeped. Right, yeah. Hmm. So we ought to uh, stop trying to make robots that look like humans then. Perhaps yes. That's, perhaps that's where we're going wrong. That's also part of it. That is you're actually very right, Nick. Yeah. Okay. One of the things about the Uncanny Valley, which researchers have told you, or have told us endlessly, is, okay, if you make a robot, and it doesn't matter how human its response is, how clever its AI is, okay, if it's clearly not a human, okay, for whatever reason, however you build it, whatever way you want to make it, make it clear that this is a non-human AI. Data, data, however you want to pronounce it, is he is clearly not human. His skin is gold. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody knows he is not a human. He is an artificial being. If he looked like a pure human, people get freaked out. I'm, I'm deeply interested on all this stuff. You know, AI and ethical thing and robots. And, you know, I've always said, because it's something I'm really interested in. And I, I've read sci-fi all my life, okay? I've read SF stories from Asimov, iRobot, all sorts of things, ever. That's been my big thing. And I have always said that if I could speak to a true AI computer, not necessarily a humanoid robot, robot, but a true AI computer, before I leave this mortal realm, I would feel highly honoured that I have seen something amazing. And I've seen many amazing things. Obviously, I've seen the fall of the Berlin Wall. I've seen Neil Armstrong, you know, land on the moon. Um, I've seen Buzz Aldrin punch some moon landing denier in the face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and good for him. He was like, what, 87? And some bloke came up and said, why are you lying about the moon landings? And he just punched him. He's like, you, bang. <laughs> An 87-year-old man. <laughs> Punch some loon in the face because he'd accused him, you know, good for him. Um, Being a fraud, effectively, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one, there's a couple of things before we wrap up then, yeah, we have rambled on, and I'm probably going to have to split this into two shows because we've rambled on for ages. Um, two things I want to mention then before we go. Um, Facebook has had an- another massive leak. whoop de doo um, <laughs> What's new? What's new? Um Dan Kaminsky, the death of Dan Kaminsky. Um, this was a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's only kind of it took a week before it filtered out to the more mainstream things. Um, many people may not know who Dan Kaminsky is. He's a celebrated security professional. Um, he's unfortunately died at forty-two, which is very sad. Um, apparently. Oh. It's yeah. apparently due to complications to his lifelong diabetes um, problem. Um, for those who don't know, um, Dan was the celebrity who disclosed a DNS poisoning flaw, which actually could have destroyed the internet. Um, and many people said to him, you could have made a fortune from this. You could have sold this to, you know, black hats and organized crime gangs and all sorts and he was like yeah that's not my bag yeah good guy the internet needs to live and i've discovered a massive flaw in dns called dns poisoning and he revealed it and effectively many people have said the internet was saved by his disclosure where anybody who knows him i didn't know him personally but i know of him and people all report that he was a lovely guy and he helped anybody and everybody he could. You know, anybody who asked him a question about coding or hacking or anything, he was always kind of, yeah, happy to help. Um, very sad. He's died at 42, mm-hmm. as I say, as a result of um, complications of diabetes. Of diabetes. Yeah. Oh, dear. So a very sad loss, I'll be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I've got two links there. By the way, uh, one to the register and one to ZNet or ZDNet, depending how you wish to pronounce it. Um, Signal, uh, you've probably read this. Signal uh, got hold of a Celebrite um, iPhone, you know, hacking device and kind of reversed hacked it. And um, 
they found that there was a whole load of security vulnerabilities in it, which is a bit of a laugh, really, considering they're a company who, you know, <laughs> spend their life basically Whoops. finding uh, security vulnerabilities in other people's stuff so they can hack in. Um, Signal got hold of a Celebrite device, figured out that there were a whole load of um, uh, security flaws in their own device, um, also discovered that apparently the way that they were using, um, that they were breaking into Apple devices, uh, used some, uh, what they consider possibly stolen Apple um, copyright material. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I had... Lawsuit coming along? Uh, yes. And I haven't put, uh, actually at the moment, I haven't put the, the follow-up to this, but um, Signal then posted that we have added code to uh, Signal, which means if you're using Signal and Celebrate attempt to, uh, you know, forensically um, recover information from your device, we have added some code to Signal, which will not only corrupt their attempt to recover material from your device, but will corrupt their Mm. device such that nothing that they recover from any other device can be guaranteed to be (laughs) um, kosher. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, yeah, which is kind of a bit of a back and forth. Um, Which Mm. which we've said endlessly. But yeah, Signal have now deliberately added code to Signal so that should Celebrite try and recover material from your device. Um, But the the thing is, it's not that they can't guarantee the veracity of the information they recover from your device, but it will basically Mm. put a worm into the Celebrite device, which means nothing it ever recovers again can be guaranteed to be 100% correct. (laughs) So they are basically spiking Celebrite out of spite. Mm. Um. Uh, I haven't put the second one in there, the update, which says how... uh, And Celebrite have now, in response to that, said that um, they have pulled from their main tool the event, uh, the ability to recover information from iOS devices because they can can no longer be considered safe. Um, That doesn't mean they can't get stuff from you. Uh, They've got other tools, but their main device can no longer compete be considered uh, kosher in recovering information from any I- iOS device because uh, if it contains the uh, the code from Signal, that could corrupt their whole way of working. Um, okay, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, worth a chirp, essential tip. Um, I don't remember who sent me this. There's a tool called Permissions Reset 2. Um, link in the show notes. If you're having problems with permissions on uh you know uh, the latest iOS this is a tool which will basically allow you to pick a, a file or an app and go reset all the permissions to default um you can do that obviously through the command line and whatnot if you know how but this is if you're having problems with permissions this isn't something I mean permissions is not something that many people have problems with these days but um, I always used to use, um can't remember what it's called now. I used to have a Batman logo on it. But anyway, it's not important. Um, permissions problems are not that common these days. But if you are suffering them, there's a link to a tool that might help you. And um, they're just a snippet for those who are interested. 
the Calibri font creator is glad that Microsoft are now dropping Calibri as their default font and are offering um they're they're doing a vote an online vote they've got five new typefaces which they are offering as the new default and they're asking people to vote on which one they like the most and as he said you know uh the creator of Calibri said I developed Calibri as a kind of safe neutral font and Microsoft have been using it for a very long time and I'm very pleased with that but actually you know it's time it was retired thank you very much it's had its day and um I'll be glad for them to choose a new one jolly good they've they're called Bierstadt Grandview Seaford Skeena and Teneroit they are indeed the new fonts and I potential new fonts the potential new defaults and I've looked at these and just like the previous set which included Calibri um, I've looked at them and I have said, whoop de doo guess what? Every single one of them <laughs> looks like another font I could name. Like, um, oh, right, yes. Well, every, I'm every sure single... there are plenty of fonts out there. Uh, yeah, look, listen, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a man who works with fonts and I've got like 30,000 fonts in my library. Um, I've looked at these. None of them are horrible. Um, I'm not going to be overly clever here, but... Um, if I go open these in a new tab, I can tell you uh, Beerstad looks dangerously like Arial slash uh, Helvetica or any of the grotesque fonts. Grandview, uh, that looks dangerously like Din, um, and I don't like it. Seaford looks incredibly like a font I really actually quite like, um, which, uh, but it's, you know, it's looking dated now. Uh, Skeena. Not particularly impressed by that. Uh, Tenorite, also okay. Um, looks a bit like a lot of modern geometric fonts. Of of yeah. all of them... It's quite round, isn't it? It's quite Tenorite. round. And that's a very popular... It, you know, um, for those who are not, you know, well-versed, I would say it looks... It looks, to some extent, it's vaguely like um, Futura slash Avant-Garde. Uh, you know, Novo Cento. Comic Sans? No. But it's a little bit Comic Sansy. No, it's nothing like Comic Sans. I'm glad to say there's nothing like Comic Sans. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a thing in the link. I would say of them all, I would go Tenorite. Yeah, I quite like Tenorite. Okay, right. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Jim, where can people find you? Uh, probably find me in the house, beat my head against the wall, uh, wireless phone. Other than that, in Flickr as the SRPS page shop, in the Slack room as Mac Jim, uh, on Vimeo, the link in the show notes. Indeed. I like. Excellent. Well done. Nick, where can people not find you, as usual? Uh, they can not find me very often on uh, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm Spligosh, S P L I G O S H. Did you um, did you do did you do Bart's show this this month? Oh no, he's recording that tonight, and apparently he's got a full house. So I did offer, oh, um, well. but uh, he's got a full house tonight. So that's that's fine. I'll look well, that's forward fine. to hearing. Yeah, that. I, I declined. They'll, not... they'll be talking all. They'll be talking about the show and stuff again, won't they? Because of course, his his is a monthly. Yes, it's another monthly show. Yeah, I I declined yeah. on the grounds. Well, occasionally on there, 
Yes, you are. quite, And so am I. I declined on the grounds that I recorded at 7pm last night, uh, what was supposed to be 3pm uh, tonight, which turned out at 4pm and has gone into, you know, nearly four, <laughs> nearly 20, 20 hundred hours. And um, <laughs> uh, I'm supposed <laughs> to be um, talking to Nemo on his... Uh, on his zoom call at um 9 30 so there we go it was like sorry no can do but um by all means everybody check out bart's show because i'm sure it'll be very interesting always is look out for the um geekiest essential apple podcast ever which will be coming in a couple of weeks uh you can find me on the uh twitters as at serenak s-e-r-e-n-a-k um for anybody who cares and i mentioned this on um on uh the geeky show ever uh with elisa and um uh, melissa the the name serenak means nothing and it comes from a, a dungeons and dragons character from my youth and uh i guess yeah We've gone on way too long. We've done. We've done a. We've done a guy and gaz. We've gone off on all sorts of tangents, and now we've got like hours and hours of stuff. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for everybody who supports us. You know how. You know uh, the usual things. Retweet our stuff. Uh, if you want to give us money, you know how to do it. It's you know Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar. And uh, until next time. I think we should really sign off because it's <laughs> gone on way too long. Okay. Good night, all. And it's good night from me. <laughs> Bye. What are you supposed to say? It's good night from him. For God's sake. Have you, have you never watched the two Ronnies? For God's sake. Come on. <laughs> it's good night from me and it's good night from him. Yeah, never good night mind. From him. <laughs> it's good night yeah. from him. There we go. Uh, that's enough of us. Right, we'll bugger off. Until next time, <laughs> we'll we'll hand over to John, who probably has something far more sensible to tell you. So take it away, John. Nemo's Hardware Store is pleased to introduce our listeners to a new premium music streaming subscription service. It's available in many countries, and it's spelled Q-O-B-U-Z, Q-O-B-U-Z. It's pronounced Cobuzz. It's from France. And the interface is very easy to follow. Fortunately, it has a white background, unlike many of the competitors that use a black background. I always prefer a white background. At the bottom on the iPad, there are four buttons, Discover, My Cobuzz, Offline Library, and Search. And then you have your typical Play and Pause and Next Track Player. They've got all the different genres and the new releases and their playlists. They have special features called panoramas, which go deep into particular albums or artists. They've got tastes of Cobuzz, different themes. They've got news. There's a lot of Cobuzz, and you will never be able to hear all of the tracks because there are millions of them. What separates them from Pandora and from Spotify and from Apple Music is they have a very extensive library of high-res CD quality and better tracks. I'm not going to talk about that because I'm new to Cobuzz, but I've been listening to their CD quality tracks, and they are definitely superior to the top-tier music on Spotify, which is my music source of choice. There are ways to convert your Spotify 
library over to CoBuzz. There's a third-party service. But most important is enjoy the music with depth and quality and richness and precision and articulation and sounds stage that you've never heard before from a streaming music service. When they say CD quality, they are not kidding. There's also, as I said, two levels of high-res music. And you can do a search for high-res audio and reviews of CoBuzz. But basically, what you need to know is it has exceptionally thorough web content as far as describing how it works on their website. And the music has a full immersive quality to it. Deep, rich bass and sparkling mid-range, detailed articulation that you hear that you won't normally hear on a typical music service. Acoustic perfection. My analogy is it's like a good homemade soup versus something you get in a can or a package. So much more oomph. It's crisp and immediate. And in capital letters in my evaluation, I wrote, each CD quality Cobuzz track makes me want to listen and let the rest of the world just buzz off. So well done, Cobuzz, on your interface, on your library, on your CD quality tracks, and on the way it plays beautifully in the iPad app. It's definitely audiophile quality. The prices start at $12.50 in the U.S. and go on up from there. It's very reasonable if you're a serious music person. They've got annual plans and monthly plans. So try their free trial month, and I think you will enjoy it, and there will be more to follow on CoBuzz. And follow the links in our show notes for information on the service to learn more. Back next week. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome.
listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.